0: Okay, let me just share my screen, and we can get going. Um, So, over the years, we've done quite a few research briefings around this whole idea of voice behaviours, and one of the things that's kind of struck me is how critical it is in organisations, the whole thing about voice and behaviours, and we'll have a look at what they are. Um, And I think... Whilst in the research, there's quite a lot of research, and I'll share with you a pack. So I've pulled together a pack of research briefings that we've done over the years. So you've got kind of a whole wadge of things around voice and, and silence. I don't think that it gains enough prominence within within the literature. And and I think this is a, a kind of a, a, a real issue So we're going to have a look at it. So so what are we talking about? So within the literature, usually they refer to it as employee voice. So what is employee voice and how how does the research um, define it, I suppose? And it's this. Um, It's informal and discretionary communications. Here comes Tim. Of ideas, suggestions, concerns problems or opinions about work-related issues. So employee voice is seen within the work context, with the intent to bring about improvement or change. So it's not just about talking. And and I'll make that point with this. So quite often within the research what you see is that these two things are the kind of seen as the polar opposites. Employee voice Employees talking, sharing ideas, saying, "Look, there's these problems and those kinds of things." And on the other side, not doing that, so being silent when actually they should be speaking up. However, when you start to look at the the research, what you f- what you start to realise, even though there's not an awful lot spoken about this, is there's a difference between employee voice and noise within the system so people just talking for the sake of talking for example and that's a problem so we're talking about purposeful voice here that's actually aimed at helping the organization in some way or helping part of the organization so it's not selfish um it's there to do something and and i kind of want to make that because quite often when I hear people talking about voice, they're just talking about getting people talking. But if they're just like doing this, then, you know, they're not actually doing anything and not adding anything to the, the conversation. So on the other side of this, we have this idea of silence. And again, you'll pick up this idea of it being purposeful. So here we're talking about the refusal to speak up or communicate relevant input, even when there's an opportunity to do so. So again, this idea of it being purposeful, that I don't want to talk for whatever reason, and we'll have a look at what the reasons are. And when you think about it, when you think about this idea of employee voice and the idea of silence within organizations, what you start to realize and certainly what I've started to realize over the years is that it's not just an important topic within organizations it's critical and it's critical for a whole series of reasons things like this it's this data and when you think about it and I've chosen this graphic for a reason employees within an organization are the eyes and ears of the organization both internally and externally. They see things that are going on that the management can't see. They see things at the ground level. They see and they're part of conflict with between themselves. They understand the nature of the relationship between functions and whether it's a good relationship and a productive relationship or not. And if the management and the organization is not listening, then they're they're not seeing the weak signals, and some of them aren't weak signals, they're quite strong signals, and they're not able to do things like problem-solving, troubleshooting, and make the correct decisions. And the management and the leadership decision-making process is, needs to be based on the best, best information within the organisation. So all of these things are largely predicated within any organisation on employee voice. And if we've got silence within the organization, we have a serious problem. So when we start to have a look across the research and what I've done for this presentation really uh, is start to have a look at what the predictors are. What is it that helps to create employee voice? And what is it, what are the factors, the research-based factors that help to create silence? So the predictors of voice, and there's a number of these. Firstly, firstly, we've got what's known as um, latent voice opportunity. Now, what does that mean? Um, and this means creating the potential for employees to actually express their ideas, suggestions, or concerns. And that's what that refers to. And this is the term that tends to be used in the, the, the research, this idea of latent voice opportunity. And what the research is saying here is that firstly, the employees need to be aware of a problem or have ideas to share themselves. Going back to that whole thing about noise, what we want is pertinent information. That there's, the second part of that is that there's a motivation to share. So that, because if there's no motivation, they're not going to share. So what is it that's creating that motivation within the system? and that it's unique information. And there's a number of studies finding that if it's unique information, information that's not already like common knowledge, increases the possibility that people are more likely to share it unless we're into the silence situation. Then we have the individual characteristics of the employees. So things like personal dispositions, traits such as their initiative, their level of extroversion, how proactive they are, whether they've got a proactive personality. And we'll do a session on this because one of the other things that I'm seeing coming out of the research is the importance of proactivity within within everybody within an organization, people who are noticing things but also taking action and even if that action is just voice just saying something about it to the management or somebody who has the power and authority to do something and conscientiousness has been seen to be another predictor a personality predictor so people who are high in conscientiousness are significantly more likely to share and to um, engage in voice behaviors then Also, there are what are known as core self-evaluations. So people who respect themselves are significant and have a sense of control. So they feel like they've got control within the workplace and what they're doing. They're significantly more likely to share things and engage employee voice. A lot of the research is showing people who feel like they have no control and that they've got no autonomy within the organization are significantly less likely to share and are significantly more likely to fall silent. Then comes status. So what's known as self perceived status. Um, And what that does is it kind of enhances people's sense of psychological safety that they have, they've got agency within the organization and that they have a right to speak up. And that makes a big difference. And, and from a kind of a management point of view and a leadership point of view, creating a climate where people feel that they have agency and that they have a right to voice concerns, have ideas, voice those ideas, becomes quite critical. And then gender has also been found to be a, a significant predictor here. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes um, what the research is showing is quite often women may have a lower self-efficacy in voicing, but it's influenced by the organizational climate and the culture. So, and this can also be, and there was a, 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 a an interesting paper about um, DEI, so diversity, is that certain minorities can feel like they don't have agency within an organization, which comes back to the whole thing about inclusive leadership and why that's so important. So, and quite often these smaller communities within an organization, both don't feel like they have agency, but actually, and there was a couple of studies showing this, they have important information, They have important information about what's going on within the organization that nobody else sees because they have a unique perspective on things. And that information's kind of critical to what's going on. Then we've got general attitudes and emotions across the organization. So things like job satisfaction. Now, and this forms kind of a U-shaped relationship between job satisfaction and and voice. So we tend to find that there people with low job satisfaction or extremely high job satisfaction tend to be less likely to share, bizarrely, and people in the middle are more likely to share. So the more kind of almost contented but not too contented. So it's that where there's a mixture of things going on for people. They're okay, but they're not amazing, but they're also not like desperate to leave. They're much more likely to be sharing things. Sense of responsibility and obligation. And this comes from kind of organizational citizenship behaviors and things like that. So feeling responsible or obliged towards the organization also enhances voice behaviors. And then, Perceived job and organizational fit. So, if people don't feel like they fit within the organization or are al- aligned with the organization's values, are significantly less likely to share things and are much more likely to be silent, which is a problem because again, those people have unique information that are really helpful to the organization. Then, as you would expect, the leadership. Selves, So their style, their behavior, and their personality is a big, a biggie here. Um, and probably one of the most significant predictors of employee voice and silence. So a lot of the research in, in the pack, which I'll share with you in the chat as soon as I finish this, you'll see there's a couple of research briefings about leadership style, for example. So things like transformational leadership, servant leadership, inclusive leadership, tend to increase employee voice, whereas things like charismatic leadership and those kinds of authoritative type leadership, transactional leadership, tend to reduce employee voice. Then we have specific leadership behaviours. So, you know, obviously things like inclusivity, where uh, where leaders are seen as helping employees. So the kind of servant leadership, transformational leadership type behaviours and responsiveness, how responsive people feel that the leaders are and the managers are to their concerns and whether when they do voice it, what happens? Are they listened to or are they just rebuffed? Or does the the leader or the manager minimise what's going on rather than accepting it? And then there's a, a series of what are known as dispositional Uh, characteristics, so things like the disposition of the leader, humility, integrity and how much control we're exerting on the workplace, all have an influence on whether people are more likely to engage in employee voice or not. And, And humility and integrity together with control have been found to be really significant predictors here. And we've got relational context factors things like relationships with co-workers so what are the relationships between people so the higher this res- the higher the respect there are between people and the the more support people feel that they have from co-workers the more likely they are to engage in voice behaviors then comes LMX or leader member exchange so the quality of the supervisor subordinate relationships is kind of imperative here. So if we have a good relationship, we feel like we're being listened to, and there's high levels of leadership member exchange, LMX, there's significantly more likely of employee voice. And then we have what's known as network position. And this is kind of the central, like how how central people are within the team's network. So if people feel like they're doing an important job, that they have agency, that they're doing something that's worthwhile, they're significantly more likely to engage in voice behaviors. And then finally, organizational structures and practices. So centralized structures tend to reduce employee voice, whereas more um, democratic type structures smaller teams those kinds of things tend to increase employee voice and also employee where people feel they're involved in decision making that increases employee voice as well and then finally what are known as differential predictors now so we've within the literature there are kind of two types of voice there is what's known as promotive voice What that means is where people are suggesting kind of changes and improvements or innovation, you know, kind of ideas, they're putting forward ideas and then, and that's characterized against what are known as prohibitive voice. So promotive voice and prohibitive voice. A prohibitive voice refers to things like raising concerns, pointing out problems, highlighting practices or behaviours that should be stopped or changed, or a voice that is trying to prevent kind of negative outcomes occurring. So both of those types of voice have an impact depending on what's going on in the culture. So promotion voice, so the first one, the idea about suggesting ideas, innovations and things like that is tends to be impacted by the individual's orientation towards achieving, so achievement orientation. So whether they are um, oriented towards achieving positive outcomes, a sense of growth and advancement, people like that are much more likely to engage in, in promoted voice. Whereas approach orientation, and what that means is kind of a, I suppose, a psychological mindset where individuals are inclined to actively engage in situations, seeking out opportunities to contribute and address each other, where people have this approach orientation. Again, that increases the chance of employee voice. Um, and, And that's both types of voice both promotive and prohibitive voice. And then the cultural values. So the macro cultural values from the country that the organization's in, but also the micro um, cultures. So what are the cultures like within the organization? And do they allow for both types of voice? Because they're both important. And what we find is some cultures allow and want, you know, it's this whole thing about managers saying, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions, right? That's okay, but what it does is it reduces prohibitive voice. People don't want to highlight problems until they've got a solution. So the managers never find out, you know, and particularly if you've got somebody who's not very good, not very creative, for example, they're noticing the problems, but they need somebody else to fix it, or they've got no agency or whatever it is, it kind of shuts it all down. And then finally, let's just have a look at the predictors of silence. The first biggie here really is about leader behavior. So remember these are where people are refusing to speak up they don't want to get involved and they don't want to share anything. And we've got to ask why, and it's a real problem for organizations, particularly organizations where the leaders aren't listening or whatever it happens to be. So the kinds of leader behavior here are things like abusive supervision and what happens where supervisors, managers, leaders are abusive. In some way, they're just taking, there's no give. They're just only interested in performance. They don't care about people. What that does is it increases emotional exhaustion within the organization or within that team and also increases psychological distress. And both of those things together significantly increase silence behaviors. Then comes things like um, manager narcissism, where managers are just all about themselves, promoting themselves, talking about themselves. And where where employees see knowledge hiding as a cultural thing. So both of those things. So manager narcissism and knowledge hiding. And both of those things together lead to significantly less trust and higher disengagement within the, across the organization. So some of these are are bigger issues than just voice and silence. So where we have manager narcissism and knowledge hiding, there's reduced trust, the higher disengagement, both together start to foster a, a kind of a cultural set of behaviors towards silence where Everybody else doesn't want to speak up. So if we're in a culture where other people aren't talking, we're significantly less likely to talk as well. So the silence grows and the management and the organisation is not getting the information that it needs. And then finally, the last main leader behaviour characteristic is what's known as power distance. So we see this a lot in the cultural studies where employees feel that there's a big distance between themselves and leaders, Tends to happen in more centralized um, organizations where there isn't daily contact or you don't feel like you have access because all the bosses are on the top floor and you never get up to the top floor. And if they come down to where you are, usually they only come down because there's a problem. You know, they don't, there isn't the lines of communication, which goes back to the whole LMX, leader management exchange, the whole idea about relationships between managers and employees. So high power distance significantly increases silence across an organisation. And the other thing that does it is where politics play a lot, a big role within organisations, where people feel like they're having to walk around the politics of the organization there are certain things you don't talk about there are certain things you don't say there are certain bosses you don't upset start to the and and silence is a bit like a, a kind of cancer it spreads and there's a whole thing around what's known as emotion contagion i've spoken about this a few times where things like fear spread really rapidly across a population particularly a population within confined within walls within an organization. So with that comes silence as well. So when we get negative emotion contagion, that increases silence. And quite often, it's the leadership that sets the tenor for, um, for the emotions within the organization. Then comes the work context. Remember, this is about what's promoting silence here. So where there's mixed messages about status and worth within the organization and what that means is so mixed messages where you know they say my door's always open but when you go along to the office either the managers are never there or they they're always too busy yeah it's that kind of stuff that goes on within organizations so they say one thing and do another so we get What's known as ambivalent identification so ambivalence means within the research this idea of mixed emotions about things i'm not sure where i sit with it, all of this where i sit with these people where i sit within the organization so this kind of an ambiguity the higher the ambiguity and uncertainty about status and about what i whether i'm valued or not the 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 more likely there is going to be silence. And messages about who's valued within the organization and who isn't makes a big difference as well. And there was a really interesting study done on fast food change, things like McDonald's, KFC, and stuff like that, that was looking at how frontline employees were being treated and whether they felt valued or not and you can well imagine what the the results were, (laughs) not held back. They're just conduits to getting the burgers out and and the sense that the senior management care a jot about them, zero. And what they found in that study was that employees' silence behaviours were massive. Um, People, you know, if there was something going off that shouldn't be going on, the employees would just hide it. They didn't want to suffer the wrath because of the way that they were being managed. And then comes collective beliefs about voice. So these influence silence beyond individual perceptions of organizational climate and management openness. So if there's a, a belief that we can talk, then that much more likely to get voice behaviors. If there's a belief that you're going to get in trouble that they're not listening, that nothing's going to happen. You know, you can say what you want, but nothing's going to happen here. And higher silence. And then things like occupational ideologies. So whether loyalty is being equated with not speaking up. And this whole idea of loyalty becomes a big problem. As does... So what can happen with managers and leaders is that they assume that silence either equals acquiescence or agreement, and they don't probe. They like the silence because it means they're getting their own way. And where managers aren't going, hang on a minute, why are people quiet? Why aren't people talking to me? If they're just assuming that there's no problem, then that's going to increase the silence. Where leaders go, hang on a minute. You know, there's got to be problems. There's got to be, because it's an organization. Why don't I know about them? Why aren't people talking? I need to have a look at what the structure of all of the, of the structure of the silence is and how it's happening. And then what are known as employee sponsored voice mechanisms. So what that means is, am I seeing other people talking or not? am i not am i is everybody else silent here because if everybody else is silent here the chances of me sticking my neck out and talking is highly reduced and then the last and then the last predictor of silence are what known as individual level predictors things like emotions so anger where people are angry, that can that can increase silence, whereas um, low active, so this gets a bit complicated. So if people are too angry, quite often they'll go silent. If they're angry enough, they'll say something. But if it's what's known as low activated negative emotions, things like depression, this idea that I just, people can't be bothered around here. They tend to increase silence. um, And particularly where people are engaging in what's known as cognitive rumination, they're just churning stuff over in their own head and they don't give voice to it. Then low perceived power, where people just feel like people don't care about me. I don't have any agency here. No one's going to listen. That's going to increase the silence. And then things like socio-demographic disadvantage. So things like being female, being a minority, feeling like I have lower education than everybody else here. I'm not worthy. Um, And a lack of kind of social networks within the organisation where there's a lack of support all predict silence among disadvantaged groups. And all of these things together, they're the three main predictors of silence. And as you can see, you know, the idea of nobody telling you what's going on within the organization, not getting those signals and the data, not having the ideas come forward, starts to create all sorts of problems within organizations. So I'm going to end there. And... uh, We shall go with comments, questions, and thoughts.
1: Mm, Cold coffee. Mm
2: Hi, David. I really like, um, I always like the way that you present and the way that you pull all of the research together. In the most simplest form, it's evidence that says it's the sins of the past that are pretty much projected into the current and future state um, expectations. And I say that a lot in my own practice where it doesn't matter for some people how much you bend over backwards, do backflips, provide them all of the assurances in the world. Some people are what I would deem coachable and others are not. And I think it's really important that when we look at these sorts of things, particularly as change facilitators and influencers in our our fears, is that we recognise where people are at and whether or not they're in a position to be able to Except that they might have to shift some of their thinking to get a benefit because some people are so hardwired, they, they have suffered so much trauma, the only way for them out is, is actually out. So we either you know, empathetically help them see that that's, that's an option for them and we help facilitate a, a, a move onto greener pastures or or we just accept it as is and we hope that the masses of people who are the the swing voters and the ones that um, are open to change can create that groundswell of of influence to, I guess, prove the concept that what we're trying to do in organisations, whether you're a leader, whether you're a manager, is something that's going to either create gain or remove pain for people. So, um, yeah, this this one, it just all, all... all reeks of sins of the past and what I really love is how you've pulled it together around calling out um, the predictors of voice but as well as the predictors of silence because that validates what people already experience each day and go oh, okay I am normal and I get it but I'm gonna I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna let Keith talk because I can see he's got his hand up
0: Keith thanks Belllanie
3: Thanks, man. Uh, first of all, can you hear me okay, David?
0: Yes, can.
3: Okay, that's great, okay. Um, with regards to employee voice, um, to what extent do you think, or has the research shown, um, that when an organization starts to recognize that employee voice could be an issue and then brings in consultants and ends up with the employee survey, et cetera, et cetera, to what extent do employees when given the opportunity to really express through direct engagement on a sort of global basis within 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 the business do they actually do that or is it a case of the business is being cynical they're being cynical up to date why should I give a monkeys? I mean what at what point does that does that tipping point become a positive tipping point rather than the employers just giving a giving a finger as it were
0: yeah, I apologies
3: think... Apologies for the, for the Anglo-Saxon terminology, but my brain isn't engaged this morning.
0: So uh, yeah. apologies for that. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're you're spot on there with the whole idea about cynicism within an organisation and, and how do you shift, how do you kind of shift that? So if you've got a cynical organisation, people don't feel like they've got any kind of agency or voice, what happens? So one of the things that certainly when you look across the research and you start to have a look at the predictors of employee voice and the predictors of silence... It's it's multifactorial. There are lots of things that have to be in place, and and I think one of the issues and 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 this is kind of when I'm looking across the research around employee voice, one of the issues is it's not talked about, which is a bit weird. Seeing it's employee voice, but it's not. I don't I don't see it. I don't see it on leadership programs. I don't see it in coaching i don't see it being talked about as an organizational issue or very rarely anyway and and i think it's you know it's i I don't know why that's the case you know we, we talk about employee engagement that's big but not employee voice and i like why but regardless of that the the I think the point that's coming out of all of this is you need to kind of have a look at across all of the factors and go, right, okay, we need to get the culture right. We need to get the structure right. We need to get the managers on side with this. They they need to learn to listen. And one of the things that that there was a, a couple of interesting ones talking about strategic silence by leaders. Quite often leaders are talking too much rather than listening, rather than asking questions. So there was a, there's a couple of interesting ones that I haven't included in this pack that talks about um, manager, manager as coach. And the coaching skills actually help the managers learn to listen. So whilst it seems to be quite a lot of managers think that coaching's about them giving advice and helping their employees, like real coaching skills... Actually, underneath the surface, and making the managers a, a more of a, a listening, questioning what's going on kind of um, kind of approach, and I think that is important as well. So, but it's well, it's seeing all of the range of all of those predictors. If I was to summarize that,
3: can I just share something with the group before before the other two hands I, I responded to. As some time ago, is so kind of twenty years ago, did some research um, within within the British public sector, um, across the public sector, as it were, um, with a research organization and a bunch of psych- psychologists. Um, and what was interesting was where that distance had been created between the very high levels of civil service down to operational staff, as it were. The senior public middle management cohort Had taken on the responsibility and taken on the power, if you wish, of being the the voice of the of the very senior team, the very senior civil servants, and employees only getting only having the opportunity to get to that point and not go beyond. So they became both. They took the power, as it were, Um, and the folks at the very top were completely completely shut out of that loop and it wasn't until some some body in an apartment someone said do we really do we really know what our our, our people think oh well, let's find out and they were shocked to find they were genuinely shocked to find out this senior management sort of middle management cohort had removed the power their their voice as it were and also employee voice <laughs> and had kept it to themselves and they were st- it, yeah, it, I don't think it's changed very much, to be frank. But um, <laughs> um, anyway, anyway, yeah, was, no, I, I, but, I, I but, think, but but but, I, but 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 that occur- that occurred, and it was really interesting to see mm. how that had
0: occurred. Mm. Yeah, I think whole sections of organisations don't have voice. Yeah, thanks, Keith. Brilliant. Wolfgang. Um, yeah. So
4: what I what I was thinking while you were talking, right, and what I've been observing in organisations is that. Even if you have like employee um employee service and all that type of stuff, it doesn't necessarily mean that they result in action and then you lose the voice of that of that employee, right? So if you're not really I think you need to be prepared to listen, but at the same time, also be prepared when you listen to action in terms of what you're getting. Um I see that also lacking in my company, to be very honest, I I just... We do a yearly voice of workforce survey, and then there is a big, like, an announcement of all the the results, right, and... The difference is often quite obvious in people who then really take action, and people that put themselves on the shoulder for brilliant results, and off they go, and next year we do the same again, right, so that's sometimes um, very questionable. I think you'll have to find that combination. Or um if you're not taking action, also be honest about it and just let people know, you know, appreciate the feedback. But you're not gonna get a twenty percent salary increase, right? Dream on, that's not gonna happen. Something like that, right? <laughs> so yeah. um um that yeah. those those type of
0: um I think things go yeah. hand in hand. I think so. And it's engaging in proper discourse. So, you know, if, if you're getting feedback and something can't change, just being honest about it, because people feel valued and listened to and that it's it's in action. And and certainly one of the things that comes out of all of this research is it's, it's not what people say. It's the behaviour that's important and the behaviour of the, the management, the leadership. Uh, and how they respond to all of this sends huge signals about how employee voice is going to be handled. Massive. Yeah. Nice. Thanks. OK, Jennifer.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you, David. Um, just fascinating uh, topic. Um, I have a question and then I have a garble of, you know, consciousness. So you talked about a lot is said about employee engagement, but not about employee voice. And I just wanted to get your sense of, okay, where are the links here? Because um, it's very easy. And, you know, um, just when spoke before, spoke about the survey. It's very easy. We do it regularly. Um, it is a vehicle for voice. But then I'm just thinking about um, some organisations where there are various avenues for voices. And I wonder whether... To some degree, um, there is lots of voices. There may not be the voices of everybody equally, but there is lots of voices. Um, there are lots of avenues, and I don't know whether leaders are making those connections enough in terms of all the different routes where the voices are coming through, where you're then looking at, okay, where are the themes? and um, because there are themes. Um and Be interesting to, you know, see if the research said anything about that. Um, And kind of going back to that too many voices, whether there's almost an organisational, I'm sure there's something a bit more scientific, but an organisational bandwidth where they're like, actually, you've got too much voice, and we're just going to stick our head in the stand because actually there's just too much
0: voice. Yeah, right. So... Let me deal with the last thing first about too many voices. There's two, and it feels like noise to the management. It's like, oh, wow, how are we going to cope with this? So part of it, and and the, there are a few studies looking at this, not an awful lot, part of it's about how do you structure the feedback that you're getting. Can is there somebody who's analyzing this stuff and saying look these are the themes that are coming out these are the... so they're presenting the information with the beyond the individual voice particularly if it's a large organization and you're getting a lot of data that seems to be mixed And you kind of can't make any sense of it. Somebody needs to analyze it and say, right, these are the bits that are mixed. These are the bits that are strong signals. These are the bits that we're only hearing a few people, you know, there are only few people talking about it, but the consequences of these are quite serious if they're right. So we need to investigate and there needs to be somebody who's involved in that process rather than it just being raw data, particularly in large organizations. So that that's the first issue. The second issue is about employee engagement, employee voice. They're meant to be part of the same thing. But when you have a look at a lot of matrix that are around employee engagement, actually not all of them, some of them do, but not all of them talk about anything to do with silence and employee voice. They're about like, Are you represented? Is there, you know, is there a committee? Is there, you know, and they assume that if there are committees, if there are things, then there is employee voice. There's a set of assumptions that are made that there are these mechanisms. This is how you engage in voice. But when you, and I'll just go back to that first slide, because, and and this is really important in all of this. Um, Let me just open up that first I'll just share this because this is the bit that quite often gets missed off. It's informal. It's the kind of constant chatter that goes on within organisations. It's the feedback that they get in the moment that something's going wrong here, or here's an idea. And when you look at it, you think, ah, that's a really good idea. Actually, we could do something with this. What they do is they wrap it up in formal structures assuming that that's the same thing and it's not where employee voice is the day-to-day chatter that's useful that goes on and and it's it's kind of misrepresented within organizations they think that putting a committee is the same thing it's not does that yeah yeah no
1: no it does Uh, It does, Um, but I'm also thinking about where it links with the formal and the informal, because then that strengthens strengthens the themes that come out, Um, just thinking about uh, employee surveys that we run, we run them too regularly for any action to be done, but what I'm disappointed at is the open comments are not being analysed, Mm -hmm. because that has got some real rich, even though it's a formal process, there's still that richness. And then the other thing, going back to your point about silence, is that I don't think we're questioning enough the percentage. So, you know, compared to how massive the organisation is, we have, you know, I don't know, 30%. So who's not using this formal, you know, even though I know that they might think, well, there's no point, but who's not using that and why? And why are you not questioning
0: Yeah. 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 So so there, there was an interesting case study actually. uh, And it was, it was quite a small case study and I haven't included it. I haven't done a research briefing about it. That was, that was looking at um, searching for silence and just that idea. Right. So in terms, it's, it's not valid study or anything. It was a very small thing. It was in a, a very small hospital in, in America. But that idea of searching for silence, having somebody who's thinking about it, you know, who are the people are, are, that are we're not hearing from and why? What is going on there with these people? And I think that's, you know, I think that's quite a useful idea actually for organizations. But again, it requires somebody who has some kind of responsibility or takes responsibility for employee voice and silence and thinking about it. and. Yeah, I'll stop there.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank
5: you. Brilliant,
0: Keith. Very briefly. Um,
3: so, to what extent then, or is, the, or is it too early to 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 judge this? To what extent has hybrid remote working impacted the informal voice?
1: Yeah,
0: good good question. So it's had quite a significant impact actually. There's there's a that there are there's more and more studies coming out about this and it depends so one of the things that's coming out of the research around um, working from home is that the nature of the relationship between the manager and the employee changes the moment you have working from home that nature of the relationship needs to change and where organizations keep a hierarchical process going and there's a culture there's a hierarchical culture then you are significantly less likely to get employee voice and significantly more likely to get employee silence where the managers rejig their relationship so it's much more collaborative and you get this idea sense of things like inclusive leadership um Uh, uh, servant leadership those kinds of types of leadership where managers are thinking about LMX leader member exchange their relationship with people then the nature of that it becomes much more of collaborative let's work on this problem together projects and those kinds of things team team kind of approaches then you're much more likely to hear what's what people are saying because you're talking to them more you're not just giving them things to do and then removing yourself so that there's there's a there's like this growing kind of body of research that's that's coming out largely since covid around um, uh, employee voice and remote working
3: so for remote working or hybrid working to be successful then there needs to be if you wish a strategic intent from the organisation that we are going to, we're going to develop this and make this work, rather than the knee jerk, you go home or the knee jerk, you come back.
0: Yeah, there's a sense that some organisations. I mean, I'm being simplistic. I'm being simplistic. No, no. In, yeah, yeah. There's sense, a sense. Yeah, yeah. some some organisations are just putting on the normal organisational way of working, manager too to employee on top of remote working. And and the research is quite strong on this, is that the nature of the relationship has to change. That it doesn't work from a hierarchical centralized point of view with remote working. That's where it starts to go wrong. Where we start to build more of a relationship, where we start to be more collaborative, where leaders are talking more, and there's more of a discourse, then remote working tends both in terms of productivity, but also in terms of uh, voice tends to increase. Yeah, nice question. Thanks, Keith.
5: Alexis. Yeah, hi David, uh, enjoy hi. the presentation. Uh, so you, um, there was definitions about a voice and silence. Um, is there a specific um, definition um, or indication of what noise looks like instead of voice? If there's noise instead of voice, um, what is that indicative of in the organization and how should you respond
0: to that? Right. Okay. Yeah. So noise is where there's no useful information in the in in the chatter. It's that people are just repeating the same things. So if you've got noise of that kind of thing, it either means that we're not listening or we're not doing something or they're not getting something. So we need to start thinking about what's going on if we keep hearing the same thing. But what tends to happen in organisations is they go, oh, they're on to the same thing. And I've seen that, you know, I've been part of that within organisations, you know, they're always complaining. When, when I was in the police, yeah, they all want bloody Rolls Royces, and, you know, rather than panda cars and stuff like that, you know. But if it's keep coming up, then that, that's saying something. So it's, so the definition of noise is where there's no, there's either no information or it, it's not being acted on. It's not kind of shifting. It's not changing. And people are just talking. And you can get cultures, and we've probably all been there, where you go into a meeting and people are just like, but nothing useful is coming out of people's mouths. And you think, why have you just said that? Like, it's not added anything to anything. you just kind of you know, because for whatever reason. So that's kind of the definition of noise. There isn't an awful lot of research, very, very few bits of research on the idea of noise within organisations compared to voice. Um, the, The little bits that are in there around noise tend to kind of show that it tends to be tolerated too much. It's not dealt with. Managers don't talk about it. They confuse noise with voice. And what they're not doing is training people. And I don't mean training as in in classrooms or anything. They're not talking back to people about, okay, but is there anything that's that we can do? Is there anything useful in this? Right, okay. And it's that. it's It's separating those things out, training people, getting them used to engaging in voice behaviors as opposed as opposed to noise behaviors but as i say in terms of research it's like minuscule in that and it's an interesting area actually and not not an awful lot talked about
5: brilliant jennifer oh sorry go um, on alexis
0: yeah
5: yeah because one of the concerns i had is that it could um if you're determining that something is noise, it could also be because you're not listening, right? So, yes. um, So, as you know, being condescending to argue, so, mm. how do you know it's, it's you know, this is just noise? And how do you, yeah. you know, say be able to define it and say, look, this is noise because, as against, I'm just not doing something about it. Yeah, and this is why I think the whole
0: area, the whole mm. issue to do with organisational voice or organisational silence and noise it's just not spoken about. And I think that's a big problem. And I think it needs to be, it needs to be a bigger issue because it's critical to organizations. Jennifer.
1: And thank you. Um, I was uh, reminded about something uh, after Keith spoke about hybrid working. Um, But my question is, when you talk about employee voice and the value it can bring in terms of leaders, understanding, you know, what's going on across the organization, um, in that context, then, are we only talking about the voice that is only heard by leaders? So, is is that the is that is that the voice that is involved in this context? So, the voice staff share the voice, leaders listen, or is it just generally informal conversation across the organisation?
0: Yeah. So, so employee voices. So. Say you and I, uh, you're in one department, I'm in another, yeah. but our jobs require that we talk, yeah. right, or we do something together, and and you think that actually I'm not pulling away or I'm not doing something, are you going to tell me? That is included. If you're not going to tell me because there's this kind of veil of silence, you don't give performative feedback or you you know you just go silent, then we've got a problem. Yeah. So it includes that as well. So it's a systems yeah. issue, as opposed yeah. to just with the leadership.
1: Yeah. So then the reason why I was linking it to what Q said, then I think there needs to be another lens on hybrid, because I'm seeing the impact of hybrid on communication generally, which will include voice. Um. But clearly, then it goes back to structure, context, role. But I am definitely seeing the impact. Um. Yeah the team seems to have gotten smaller. So there is lots of voice within the team and me as a, as a manager, I'm, I'm getting lots of voice, but then it's just smaller. Yeah. Rather than pre, pre, uh yeah, pre COVID, pre hybrid. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, and again, it's, it's about having the conversation with the managers and, and people, you know, ha- what, wh- and it, because when you think about it, employee voice is also about the values that within the organisation. You know, do we value people's opinion? Do we want ideas? And how are we going to handle that? Because quite often, people go, "Yeah, yeah, we want employee voice," as you were saying, and then all this stuff starts coming out. No one does anything with it, and what happens then is we end up with silence because everybody's going, "It's no point." Yeah. So it's a systems issue. It's not just about doing this and but it's just never spoken about. And I, I think it's a real mistake within organizations actually. Brilliant. Um so I'm just about to finish. I've put in the chat, if you go into the chat, I've put uh, a a zip file with a whole load of research briefings that we've done over the years. There's probably about 10, 12 research briefings in there, so you can download that. I'll stay online for a minute so you can do it. It's quite a big file. It's two and a half megabytes. Um, I just thought I'd bring them together because they're, they're sending quite an interesting message together, and there's, there's a lot more nuance in this. And that's it. As I say, I'll stay online if you're downloading it. Um I hope... The session's been useful, and enjoyed it. And um, into into January, February next, or next week.
2: <laughs> Thanks, David. I liked the um, delineation between voice and noise. I think that was probably one of the most useful things. So, um, yeah, right. really helpful. And and I've even drawn a model from discussion. So, Ooh. oh, wow. <laughs> I yeah, like that. yeah, there you go.
0: Oh, I do like that. Uh, yes.
2: I kind, I just kind of listened and heard all of the stuff and all of the other bits. I'm like, oh, what, really what nice. would be three things? So,
0: send me yeah, that. We'll, send me that. I can oh, send oh. It. I'll I'll put it in the um in the pack when I put it on the site.
2: Okay, cool. I'll um I'll do it up like a PowerPoint slide and PDF okay. it. Yeah. that way. Or well, you can just it photograph
0: in. it. That's neat. Yeah. That okay.
2: Pretty.
0: Great. We'll do. Real um, is where better. Do
2: you want to send it. Yeah, and where do you want me to send it to
0: you? Um uh probably Caflat members at oxfordreview.net right. or com. Both of those go into Caf. Um
5: members. and
0: then I'll make sure that uh, okay. it's in the pack. That's really nice. I like that. Brilliant. Right,
2: we'll do. I mean it might not might not fully resonate, but that's just my practical brain working Yeah, you. no,
0: I like it. How do you keep it yeah. short
2: and sharp? What do you do with this? <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, Thank you. Thanks everyone. Good to see you. Thanks all. guys. Bye.
1: Thank
0: you. Bye-bye. Okay. Everybody downloaded their stuff? I'll take it. Yes. See you later, Alexis. Bye.